This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,532, recorded May 31st, 2000. In the last few years, I have probably spent a lot of my mental time in addition to all kinds of new things to do and ways to go about this. I've also spent an increasing amount of time, I mentioned a few of them, of pondering things that I don't really know pondering. They cross my mind. Things I don't know that if you can grasp any particular interest or use out of, I should say. Uh, I always get something out of it. Or I wouldn't even consider relaying it. And I know it doesn't sound like the party line of talking about enlightenment and awakening and all such matters. But to me, it's looking past it, looking, trying to look through it. I can't resist. Just a couple of things. Has it ever struck anyone? I find no record of it. No one seems to have ever noticed. But amongst anything that passes for being uh, a reasonable commentary that someone made in the past on their struggle to awaken, no one seems to have ever noticed that no person has ever offered attempted a detailed description from their view, just their view, of what being asleep is. It's a subtle distinction. It snuck up on me. Now, there are plenty of people who have written about the general behavior that they think is what's being asleep, and there have been people who have written a bit of whining that usually goes no further than to say, well, I was confused about life. I was confused about how I should live. But consider it. All of you have read probably as much as me. You know, or you've read some share of the mystical literature. But just think about it. No one has ever described in any detail, just from their view, as much as I do to you people sometimes, just in passing, of me saying what it is that annoys me and et cetera. No one has ever offered, just from their view, that they said, here is what it is from my view, from my experience. When I look inside of me, here is what I mean when I say to be asleep. And for four or five thousand years, you've had people just casually dashing off, falling from their lips over and over, that, yes, I was asleep, man's asleep. I see people asleep. I see manifestations of us being asleep. There's no doubt that a man who would do such and such is asleep. Oh, I can tell when I did so and so, I was fast asleep. And no one has ever described in any detail what they meant by it. Do you not find that interesting? Do you not find that curious? Do I have to try and rub your face in oatmeal? You don't find that curious? That these people who have written... Thousands and thousands of pages, many, many books, well-known treatises on how to awaken, how to go from the state of being deluded, distracted, to being enlightened, and the great discovery of one's true self. They do not describe what it is not to be in touch with your true self, what it is to be asleep. The most they will say is, yes, I was asleep and quite confused about the nature of life. You don't find it curious. 
that these people will go on and on. They'll tell you their shoe size and what color underwear they wore and how many times they'd been married and all their personal problems. And they still don't attempt to describe what they mean by being asleep. Let me go ahead and do it for you. Well, I should just leave it. I say to you, since all of you love mathematics and numbers, I say over 99% of the people that talk about being asleep never thought about what it was. Just like all of us when we started, they read about it, heard about it, man's asleep, and I went, that's it. Sign me up. If somebody knows how to get out of this, sign me up. I'm asleep. You hit me right on the head. That's something else I considered that no one else ever has. Since I've been talking about feelings, let's take all of you as being, from my view, fairly archetypical for our time and place, at least English, Western culture, I guess. All of you here and hearing me on tape, do you realize when it comes to your emotional life, the way you feel, but what you emotionally are, which is closer to being a, if there was such a thing as a real self as opposed to an apparent self, which arises from what goes on in the cortex, that is, thought-based. It's thinking instead of feeling. But you realize when it comes to the way you feel, all it would have taken is just almost unmeasurable, in a real sense, uh, shifts in your hormonal balance. And that you would have been too depressed, just to use ordinary term, or too caught up in the ordinary pleasures of life to have been interested in this. Put it to you another way. A person, if they're too depressed, I just mean what everybody else means. If they just, we all know people are depressed. They don't have to have been clinically diagnosed by a professional. We're just people that just life is too much of a burden. And you could have been that way. Any of us could have. Just a slight just, they have a hard time, even if they're trying, to measure such balances in the endocrine or at any rate. If you had been just a little more depressed about life, if anyone is too depressed, they would never be interested in doing this. Or if you want to look at that kind of scale, that kind of continuum, if someone is too happy with ordinary life, we probably know some people like that, people that... Just give no thought for tomorrow and just drink and have wrecks, run through women or run through men. Just your typical old kind of shit-kicking bricklayer, happy-go-lucky. If you had just been a little more that way, you would have had no interest in awakening. You'd have had no interest in this whole affair. just been nonsense. It takes... A particular hormonal balance, it takes a certain kind of emotional person to be interested in this. And yet those who have tried to talk about it in the past or tried to write down some observation, uh, if you recall, they always get into all kinds of ooey-gooey metaphysical, you know, how the gods have selected some and not others. And, but I, I just find it very Interesting that if you'd been just a little sadder, just a little more depressed about being alive, or just a little more satisfied with just everything, you wouldn't be here. None of us would have been interested in it. Just a little bit more. And some of you to yourself may 
I, I'm sure all of you have, or at least in the past, had some sort of impression of your psychological profile that some of you probably thought that you were too depressed and that people have been telling you probably as a child you should snap out of it and be that as it may. I'm telling you, had you been just a, a right hair, more depressed, that'd have been it. You'd have been safe from all this. You could be on drugs full time or been counseling or just enjoying your depression. I'll try to read some of the stuff I wrote. Instead of directly trying to stop thought, try looking over the heads of those thoughts to which you're most naturally attracted. When a man has some substantial awakening experience, it is good for unjust occasions to befall him, such that, for example, that he might find himself standing alone, naked on a barren plain. Where is my editor? Back up. When a man has some substantial awakening experience, it is good for unjust occasions to befall him, such that, for example, might produce the voice of, quote, I've been mistreated, so that he can find himself standing alone, naked on a barren plain, with no companion save the voice which begs for an analyzation of the injustice he has suffered. And it affords him the immediate opportunity to look up above the voice, just over the horizon where feelings are free from such noises below. You can try to be a guard who tries to bar the door to thought, or be a man who stands beside the door and does not look in thought's direction. It seems to me that there is a limited time specific to each man in which he can profitably engage in analyzing his life. And once the saturation point is reached, he should cease making eye contact with thoughts that appear regarding his life. Headline regarding the matter of the two things and the two selves. What I mean by being aware of feeling is not to be aware of how you physically feel. Everyone's aware of that already. To be aware of feeling reveals a different awareness of thinking. That's the whole purpose. That's the intended trick. From one view, a man's feelings constitutes his real self, while his thoughts are the basis of his apparent one. The way you trick a mirror into realizing its own nature is to trick it into not trying to look at itself. The attempt to achieve enlightenment is a trick. The trick is to understand the circumstances that made the trick necessary. At the bottom of everything is everything else. Concerning unnecessary loss of looseness. Anything that interests you, you have a feeling about. Anything you have a feeling about that you then talk about ensnares you needlessly. What keeps you from having an untroubled eye other than the past clinging mentally to you? That we daydream is not so much the real problem as is the fact that in so doing we are made more distant from our feelings. Thoughts blindly take over consciousness from feelings. Don't be blind in the mind and you feel. 
feel and you won't be blinded by the mind. A few words about words. If you say that life is harsh, then you have made it harsh by so saying. And if you say that life is not harsh, you have made a mistake. Since no one word has any real meaning, the other 10,000 are made more astonishing. Only he understands the nature of words who has severed his tongue at its root. Life is not this, life is not that. A cat is a cat, a cat's not a cat. A single word can free you while the rest ensnare you. To realize that you've never said a word is to comprehend the nature of words. To realize that you have never said a word causes nervousness in some people when they... That's why I don't do the ultimate trick and make you realize it. I have never said a word. All it takes to go from thinking to feeling is to have a moment of meditation whenever needed. This indeed is a subtle means to move away from your apparent self and closer to your real one. Every now and then I mention in passing, but in case you don't know it, somebody, I don't know, back in there, the part of the last millennia, if my memory serves, somebody was already complaining. That is, a, close to a thousand years ago, some writer was already complaining about people of his time being engaged and trying to become blocks of wood, to become boulders, that is, to sit around and not move and not think. Now, this is not me. And he said... What's happened to these people? That one of the ancient ones, one of the ancient sages that knew what he was doing, told people that if they wanted to realize what was going on in life, they should constantly just stop for a moment and just meditate. And he, he pointed out, he said, this ancient one said, stop for a moment and meditate on what's happening, what, just what you're doing. And if you continue to do that, you'll surely see what's going on. And he said, but he said this, told people to stop, those who are interested in this, stop and meditate for a moment. And he said, now look. He said, people spend their life meditating. And he said, stop for a moment. Now, I'm saying that kind of meditation, if you get what I'm saying, is how you can shift over from thinking to feeling. That and sort of look away. Don't make eye contact with thought. Back to the reading. Thoughts can explain anything, but never satisfactorily, since they're merely reports and reminders of things and not actual things themselves. In a curious way, being enlightened is a state wherein the unspeakable within you speaks for you. While many there have been who said we should live solely in the present moment, how many ever realize that it may not be possible for thoughts to live in the here and now, and that this can only be done by feeling? 
Also, as per my latest model, you shouldn't say that the goal is a new state of mind, but rather a new condition. What ghosts haunt a man's mental house other than memory? To express no verbal comment is to behave properly. To have no comment is to be awake. A question involving the following two poems. Number one, a man with no feeling seems quite appealing. Number two, he who does not feel has no appeal. Now, which one do you feel is the more accurate? One guy's current view is this, quote, The entire manifestation of being asleep could be described on a personal level as doing more than is necessary at any given instant under any given conditions. All right, for you people on tape so that you don't feel like we're not sure where it cut off, so I'll go back to the last paper. One day, Hansel and Gretel got up. Oh. <laughs> I should have gone on. I was imagining people in other cities beating on their tape recorder going, let them think, Jesus, something spooky happened. All right, back to where I was reading, more or less, I guess. One man's current view is thus. The entire manifestation of being asleep could be described on a personal level as doing more than is necessary at any given instant under any given conditions. That, to him, was being asleep. And to be awake, or at least to behave as being awake, would be never doing any more than is minimally called for by the circumstances. Thus, from his view, being asleep is an acting in excess a domain overseen entirely by one's apparent self, and acting in excess of what is necessary is the apparent self's raisin death ray. This would also explain the frequency with which the few mention the tiredness they experience from being asleep. That is, you're always doing more than was called for. See, Doing what's more than call for from my present model I'm trying to get to consider is talking about anything that's not mathematics or that's not directly involved with a problem that you're solving that is directly related to either your personal amusement or survival, which for some people are synonymous. Others, however, are not that much amused by being alive. <laughs> About the mind, headline, there is the appearance of the mind and the reality of the mind, and anyone who says they understand the latter doesn't. To be fully enlightened is to recognize the appearance of the mind and not be fooled that you understand its reality. To realize the emptiness of an empty room is to awaken to its nature. One man pondered, is there, in fact, a song of awakening? One, if which I sang, would produce awakening? And a voice from somewhere answered him, Yes, providing you didn't sing it. You see, said another voice, right there is the whole problem with all of this. Touche, touche, <coughs> touchy, touchy, and touche. Touchy. Well, there's the problem with all of this. He hadn't heard anything yet. Once he has turned the idea of awakening around in his mind to a degree sufficient for him, the worst thing that such a man can do after that is to 
think about his life. If there is no immediate problem that has a possible physical solution, there is no reason for a man seeking the goal to even be thinking about his life. That's surely a misprint. You live your mundane, moment-to-moment, uneventful life by feelings, with nothing thereabout for an awakened man to think about. You said that was a joke. That was no misprint. Some of you suffered from mishearing. When you start, you're confused and unenlightened. Then you become enlightened and unconfused. But the big game is to be neither confused or enlightened. Those who accomplish this are known. Those who accomplish this are the unknown Hall of Famers. All men are a walking bundle of feelings. Only difference is an enlightened man knows better. So many of you liked that when I had lived it the other night. I thought I'd put it down in permanent print. I even liked it. Before I said it, but I wasn't sure anyone was going to get it. Do you remember about two meetings ago? I was really laying in, first introduced or reintroduce my model of feeling and trying to be aware of feeling as opposed to turning your attention on the mind. And after I talked a while, I was pointing out that thoughts are nothing but measurements, recollections of our feelings. That is the soul. That is the sole progenitor, the only source of all thoughts or feelings. I talked on and on. I was finally saying that an awakened man, that if you were more in touch with what you really are, you would really be nothing but a, just a walking bundle of feelings. And I said it, a few of you kind of looked a little surprised. And then off the bottom of my head, I also pointed out that, well, that was no big deal because everybody is nothing but a walking bundle of feelings. It's just that an awakened man knows better. But I thought, sure, that if anybody even found that interested, they would get them leave the room and get a yellow pad and start trying to figure out no better what, or what no better, or no better peace prize, or no better corn, better no, no better, no better what, no better how. That's why you should be glad you didn't have a yellow pad with you. You would have wasted your time. Everyone's a walking bundle of feelings, but an awakened man knows better. Period. Now let's go on. Although from the classical mystic's view... Everyone who is not struggling to awaken is asleep. And in that such people rarely think about themselves from that perspective unique to mystics, they cannot be said to actually be asleep. You must be a person who consistently engages in thinking about yourself from an insider's viewpoint to be asleep. Thus curious as it sounds, only those wanting to awaken are asleep. Isn't that the kind of statement sufficiently curious to cause you to look away? To look above and beyond the heads of all the words and images, always trying to arise from the caustic depths of your mind and take full control of your consciousness. If the true sign of an awakened man is that you cannot discern his mind, how about between you and your own mind? 
So that's not clear. There's an old line from several thousand years ago. That somebody said something to this effect. That uh, one thing about an enlightened, a man with an enlightened mind is that no one else can discern his mind. Or if it helps you to look at it, can discern what's on his mind. I prefer the former, but that would be in an imaginary world. That is where other people could recognize when a man was enlightened. But that that would be a sign of it was that you could not discern his mind. You could be sitting there looking him dead in the face, talking to him. But an awakened man would not have his mind, his thoughts exposed. So no one else, no matter what he said, that he thought, or what he agreed to, that you could not really discern his mind. So I added, that is not, not, or don't you find anything potentially useful? You should, between you and your own mind. Because if I ask you, can you discern your mind? You will certainly. I've been struggling, you've been encouraging it. I've been watching what's on my mind. How about take a different approach? If another man would be enlightened, if that would be a sign of enlightenment in another man, the fact that you couldn't discern his mind, then why would that not hold true to you? That if you couldn't discern your mind, why would it not be awake? Well, other than the fact your mind's going to say, well, no, that couldn't be. You know, shut up. Just glance up. When you realize that feeling's the thing and not thinking... Everything you've ever heard about waking up makes more sense than ever. Because it then don't hardly make any sense at all. When you think about it. Did anyone's tires not sustain sufficient damage that that could be reread? No, please don't. All right. Making eye contact with thought rather than looking to feeling is making ice so that you will have something to boil later to have water. (laughs) There is an approach that you can adopt, that you can invent for yourself that I call with the name of look away. Only a total fool attempts to explain from his personal view what it is to want to awaken. When asked about his place of residency, one man replied, I presently live a bit north of my thalamus, but I'm attempting to relocate. There is a method that you can adopt as your own by which you look away. Always looking up just over the heads of thoughts off to the infinite horizon. And P.S. Keep the whole affair as nonspecific as possible. Well, let me tell you. Back up. Or try to back to a more practical level. This first page and some of the others in there. And one more time reminding you, it's not an apology, but this is, anybody knows. When you start talking about feeling, and I mean something even more, I mean something vaguer than people ordinarily do. But uh, it is very clumsy, very inexact. To try and talk about, but so what? That rather than trying to deal with thought in some way, that that is a classic method, and there's no doubt that's where you have to start. That's the only place 
that even hears about wanting to awaken. It's the only part of us, the mind that is asleep. It is the, in the beginning, it's the whole ballpark. It doesn't matter that if you're trying to play polo, baseball, or football, if you're still in Dodger Stadium. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're attempting to be a Sufi, a Zen, you're following some uh, Vedic system. It doesn't matter. You're playing in the same stadium, you're playing in the mind. And so the only thing you, the game is always resistance. You always are playing against the mind. That's the stadium and you're playing against what goes on in your so-called mind. And it appears that the, ultimately, no matter how it's fricasseed, that you end up either trying to absolutely stop thought or to bring thought under your control by God, which... After all these years, I find that to be one of the funniest things in the world. Well, no, no, you don't be finished. That there seems to be a division or a possibility or that those are two different things. Stopping thought or bringing it under control. And it seems to be. I bet for most people's lifetime. Well, yeah, it is two different things. Well, hell, if it is, why not include this? How about growing corn in the mind? How about either stop Stop thought, bring thought under control, or have thought paint your car. Or have thought become an airplane in which you ride to work every day underground. Well, we must either. If we can't stop thought, we must bring it under control. Which, you know, looking back now from a different perspective, it's like someone saying, how many years do you have to devote to absolute folly. No, I'm a fresh-faced, would-be mystic. Me, me, take me. I'll stick with it. Except they didn't phrase it that way. Here's the sad part. They could have, and I didn't hear it. They just said, man is dumbfounded. He's asleep. He's in the dark. But he can get out of it. Yes, me, here, here, here. But they could have said, are you prepared to devote perhaps an unlimited number of years, perhaps your life, engaged in absolute folly? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. That is not sarcasm. It's not cynicism. Because, see, you have to be, to some point, in other words, if we backed up right now and we were all 17 years old, and somebody said that, or I said that, no one would be laughing. It is not funny. In fact, most people would have probably fallen into serious eyebrow furrowing by pondering, by considering what a deep, deep metaphor that is. What does that mean to devote perhaps a lifetime to absolute folly? God, that's a, that's a backbreaker. How will I ever unravel that? What could be the real meaning of that? Hey, surprise. Well. <laughs> but hey, you'd have been doing something. In fact, you were doing something most of the time other than this. You just like to pretend that you try a lot. I know what it is. You like to believe that I try a whole lot more than you do. 
and they'll kind of rub off for the, I'm trying for your sins again. <laughs> Rather than, back to my new model of feeling, or my reintroduction, but my new model, it's really a new version. Rather than stopping feeling, even trying to control it, I'm going to try at least one more time. This will be the fourth night, third night. Picture it this way. I wrote it in that first news item that to, to, to try and deal with thought in any way, that without any doubt, forget my little jokes and et cetera, without any doubt, no one made a mistake. There is no way that you can start out that ever get any foothold on this without seeing the mind as the problem, without seeing just your thoughts out of control, being distracting, distracting your physical attention, leading you into saying foolish things when you're not, I didn't think about what I was saying and I lost my job all the way from that to I bumped into something. I got real mad arguing with the radio in the car and I had a wreck and tore my arm off. Arguing with somebody on the radio, some caller to a talk show, and I got so goddamn mad, I ran off the road. All that kind of thing. And if that is too crude, which it is for many, would be... So many of our fellow would-be waker-uppers are so delicate. I know that they don't find those kind of descriptions. But you start out believing that men, the view is that you and other men harbor extremely prejudicial, hateful, harmful, unchristian-like, un-Jewish-like, un-Zoroastrian-like, un-everything-like thoughts. Something must be done about the mind. There is another way to deal with it rather than trying to control the mind, rather than trying to control what you think, what thoughts pass you through you, trying to suppress them, trying to stop them. All such attempts, I wrote in that first news item, was like staying by the door. Uh, I can't resist telling you some way. My, my real picture of it, I didn't put it in writing. And I don't mean it as actually as prejudicial as it may sound, but I picture it because feelings are what are rising up and then thoughts come out of those. It does it spatially in our three-dimensional sense of reality, in our nervous system, that feelings start below the cortex. And then they turn into thoughts. And so I see all the attempts to control the, the thoughts, to suppress thoughts, to work on the mind. I see it personally. Like I said, when I say sewer, I don't mean it necessarily as bad. But I picture it as like a manhole and trying to control thoughts as you're standing there and you're trying to keep the cover on this manhole from the sewer that all this stuff rises. Like I said, I didn't write it down because I don't mean that personally with me, and I'm sure it's not with you. <laughs> I don't mean that what passes through my mind is just a, you know, a sewer. It's a septic tank. But still, to me it fits. It's noxious odors. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's rehashed stuff. We know what's in the sewers. It's nothing nourishing. It's nothing fresh. It's nothing that you want to get involved with. I mean, you simply do not wander around hoping that you'll find a manhole sands a cover so that you can jump in. 
So maybe rather than as I wrote it, that you can, if you try and stop or control the mind or thoughts, it's like you're staying beside the door and you're trying to keep the door closed. And I've even used that many, many times throughout the years. That it's like the thoughts. What's trying to happen is like right behind the door and all the kind of methods and ways I've described it, but the kind of tricks and methods is you attempt, even though you can hear them back there, you know they're trying to push through, is you attempt not to let them push through the door. At any rate, personally, I thought I'd go ahead and... Here I go. I, I love to say this and share that with you. That doesn't annoy you? No. I had to do it since it. That to me, it's like you're trying to hold down a lid, a manhole cover on this sewer. All right, it's either that or it's this. You can quit trying to hold it down and they continue to arise. They get up out of the sewer. But you don't make eye contact. You don't look. It's like being staying out in a plane. And here it is constantly. You're surrounded by all the thoughts coming up. And rather than suppress, than trying to suppress them, rather than push against them, rather than argue with them. And I'll try again. I did this once a year ago. I can, in my brain, in my head, there's a sense in which I can, quote, feel, I can, when I say look up and look away, I can physically do it, but I can, all this in quotation marks, of course, but I can feel, I can push my awareness sort of up to the top of my skull, which of course can't be true, right? But kind of glance up and off. That's what I mean by being aware of feeling. But I don't want to be more specific. And somebody's already asked me, off in private, they say, well, what you're saying by being aware of feeling, are you, and they gave me some notions, things that they had thought about before or tried, and they asked me, to, you know, is that what you mean? My closing words last time is really, I don't want to be more specific. I don't even want to try. But rather than to have any attitude toward the mind, the thoughts going through you, no matter what they are, no matter how salacious, aggressive, irritating, non-aromatic is you just look over their head that's what I mean by being aware of feeling to take your attention off of the mind that we've been doing so long and just for the time being it's a whole other approach almost the opposite approach at least the opposite approach in that right now no more concern for the mind None. Just try and abandon it. And the way to do it, because it's still there. Thoughts are still there. The mind still works. The brain still pumps it out. But don't make eye contact if you want to think about it as people rather than the odors, the fumes coming out of the sewer. But they're constantly there. Images, words. And you don't look directly at them. If you look directly at them, if anybody follows, if you try this, I think you'll find that there's some reality. If you look at thoughts directly, no matter what your intention is, it's tar baby time. It's the only mirror in the world that has some sort of glutinous ability 
to hold your reflection. Ooh, try that one. That's not like some of that good New Orleans voodoo mysticism. That you look in the mirror of the mind and it captures your reflection. It stole your soul. The point is, from the view I'm taking now, I say that there's validity to this statement. That if you look any thought, any thought dead in the eye, it's got you. If you're going to have a staring contest, in the past I've called it arm wrestling, so, but I can call it anything. If you're going to have a tete-a-tete with thoughts, by God, you better bring an ironclad tete for your part. <laughs> you better be prepared to have your tete. No. If not broken, severely twisted. The point is, if it appears to be a staring contest, an arm wrestling contest, any sort of confrontation between you and any thought, don't be an idiot. Don't look around for an off-track bookie. Don't consider betting on yourself. Don't ponder. Don't live in some instantly insane dream like, well, this time I might win. You know, like somebody's got to win the lottery, that old story. Like, well, yeah, it's you know, one chance in 14 billion, but somebody will be the one. Okay, that's true. That's true. But when it's you and a thought, and you think, well, one of us has got to win, and this time it could be me. Wake up. Wake up in some sort of sense. Uh-uh. Once you look... At a thought, once you make eye contact, I thought some of you were getting a little of that last time I mentioned it. But it's like, instead of fumes, imagine thoughts. They're all around you, they're popping up, they're everywhere, but if you want to picture them as people, that each thought is like a person. But in the same way, you know, kids do it. It's not unknown that if you're in an if you're in a situation that seems threatening, maybe a group of people, that if you were an Italian soccer fan and you were in Bristol and you walked out after a match and there's all these British punters, these British soccer fans, drunk and rowdy and hooping and hollering about screw the Italians, the Italians. Anyway, people, they, at the emotional level, People know, under those conditions, don't make eye contact. I don't know why I went through all that. Go to New York City, Manhattan, and just walk up and down the street. Because it is somewhat of that kind of condition that you're packed in, etc. But if you try not to make eye contact, that is a way to try and keep yourself uninvolved, unentangled from a situation with other people. I say that there is a way that you just look off. You don't make eye contact because once you do, it's too late from the perspective I'm presenting to you. And you can feel it. All this may sound like a pretty picture. That's why I hate talking sometimes. It's hard to tell. Now shut up. Jesus. I started to say I didn't deserve that, but sure I did. 
Well, that's what I've done it. Okay. You can feel it. I can. It's just as real as hell. It is what I have been touting and encouraging in all of you for the last three nights. It's a complete abandonment when you can do it. It's just an abandonment of the mind. The whole problem is just for the time being from this view. And I, I can do it. So if I can do it, you can do it. I mean, there it is. You know it's there. Here's a voice that's already talking. Take whichever of my examples that you ever liked. You can hear it behind the door. You can hear it. It's like there are people behind you. Suddenly, whatever happened is you're reminded of some complaint, some injustice that happened to you today. And you hear your voice. You hear you're about to go. You can hear it. You know what it is. Or if it helps again, you know, that is possible. It's the pre-echo on vinyl records. I've been through, I think, surely all of you are old enough that you remember that it's very common in the opening groove, the intro groove, before it actually starts playing. Sometimes like one whole revolution, you can hear like the first half of a measure, first two or three words that they're about to sing. I won't try to explain physically how it happens. It's common as hell. It's known as a pre-echo. No, it sounds foolish, but you're hearing what's about to happen. That same thing, it goes on all the time. If you can't do that, all of you must know this. I mean, you had not done anything if, you don't, if you're not aware of that. You can tell that you're about to go to sleep. You know that you're about to throw a fit. You know that some voice, some thought is about to just take over. If you look at your mind as being this nice, comfy den. I picture more as an empty room, but... Some of you are more domestic than I am, perhaps. But it's like this comfy room, and there you sit, minding your own business, and you hear these drunken rowdies, or a rowdy. You know who it is. You know what the thought. You hear him all right. You, know, you can hear the pre-echo. And you're, you're aware, if you're my kind of would-be waker-upper. You just got a split second, but you're aware. Oh, God. You know, I got to do something. Because that's enough time that's too late. But it's like, well, I, I can't think it. I just won't, I won't listen. I'll tell it to shut up. Of course, you're the same thing as the, nah, 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 so I'll tell it to shut up. And for a moment, you can appear to do something. But then again, dogs, I'm sure themselves, seeing that tail out there, and they run after it. Feels like, well, I'm doing something. I may catch it. I say don't make eye contact. I say that you you can feel it. It's, and I, I'm trying some special way to do it, that I actually do this. That's the way I started doing it, and I, I still find favor with it. As I may physically cut my eyes up above if somebody was standing here. Just cut it up toward the ceiling. As I say, if you want to really get spooky with this, I can feel doing it in my head. Which has got to be imagination, but... So what? But you can physically cut your eyes. Physically do it. Cut them above. If somebody was staying next to you, you picture it was your thought, you hear it going, it's got to go, hey, you can't get that right And you know he's there. Rather than deal with him in any way, it's just don't make eye contact. Don't look at him. When I say look at him, I mean in the metaphysical and physical sense, since I'm cutting my eyes, giving you that thing, but at least in the metaphorical sense, is don't make eye contact. That is like, well, how dare? I can't believe I'm asleep again. God damn it. What's wrong with me? Or to rationalize. Well, I should be complaining that the other person could have had a 
when they said that to me, they, they had their viewpoint. I'm probably not going to get into it tonight, but I say that past a certain point, the way I put it to you tonight, you need to quit analyzing your life. Which I thought maybe get some of you people's attention because the way I talk, that's all I do. And I encourage you to. Well, if you're not complete, you should be thinking about thinking, not listening to what you're, don't think about what other people think. You should be thinking about the matter of thinking. You should be spending all of your time, if you're my kind of person, all of your time you're analyzing what's going on. Not from some view, not from the view of a Protestant or Methodist or a Republican or anybody, a man or woman. You're just trying to look at life like, what the hell is going on? I say past a certain point, you're just abandon all of that. But it's the same thing I'm talking about. If you won't make eye contact with thought, it'll happen. But I'm just giving you, you can look at it another way. Just quit analyzing your life for the time being. Oh, I know how much fun it is and how profitable it's been. So I'm not saying you've got to give it up forever. <laughs> As though I could say give it up forever and you go, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't want to. No, come on. Really? Forever? Yeah. Now, I want your word. You'll do it forever. Now, come on. Not just a little while. Now, raise your hand and tell me you'll do it forever. Oh, all right, I will. And then feel bad. Like, well, jeez, I threw away part of my fun. Right, yeah. At any rate, consider what I'm saying. I said it for some reason. None of you that are still here, you can't say that I've ever misled you in some way or had some devious personal aim in mind. I'm saying from one view, you reach a saturation point. And I wouldn't bring it up other than the fact that I suspect that all of you should be there, whether you're aware of it or not. At least for the time being, you've analyzed your life out. Or at least if you haven't, I've done it for you. All you had to do was listen. You should be saturated. I've analyzed my analyzations. And now I've gone past that, which is no term for it. What's running your life is not your thinking anyway. It's your feeling. And if you look, if you won't make eye contact, if you actually just try, this is the way I'm telling you, that I've, the way I've sort of discovered to do it, it's the way I've had the most success. It's, I'll repeat one more time. It's, since i got to put words on it, it's like you're aware of the thought. You're aware that the mind is always there. It's not going away. Not from my view and not from my experience. And you have damn little effect on it no matter what you do. I mean, let's get it out in the open. That's from my view and my experience. If that's not your view and that's not your experience, not only, well, I say again, I don't know how you don't clue me in. The other way, is just to abandon looking at the mind, analyzing the mind, trying to do anything, is try and be aware of feeling. Try and be aware of feeling. Try and be aware of feeling. And one way is to look above the heads of thought. Look up and look away. Just imagine that you're out on an open plane and you're surrounded, thoughts are always there behind you, always popping up. And just, I physically, I repeat, I do it. A few people on tape, I'm just cutting my eyes up into my, like my northeast corner or my northwest corner. I'm cutting my eyes up into the upper reaches of either Maine 
or the fine state of Washington on the left coast. He says, look up. And at the same time, to me, put a warrant, I just remind myself, I say, feelings. But don't ask me any more than that, and don't expect any more to yourself. Don't ask yourself, well, what do you mean by feeling? If I'd meant more, I'd said more. I, did, I barely mean that. But it sounds a lot better than saying cucumbers. Because maybe you people are sharper than I think. Maybe I could have gotten by with that. Or since some of you like my geography, I could say instead of this abandoned concern about the mind, but instead of me saying be aware of feelings, I could have said been aware of Portland or Olympia. But then knowing how weak-minded and literal-minded some people are, then you would think, wait a minute. Not how weak-minded and metaphorical on top of that, which is like putting a steel helmet on a marionette. But then some of you thought, wait a minute, what is the metaphorical significance of Portland, Maine? Hmm, or of any city? And then somebody will go, wait a minute, is that the capital city of Maine or not? Or is it just a city? And why do you pick Maine? A homonym for Maine is M-A-I-N. Primary, principal. Ah, shut up! <laughs> Just cut your eyes, look above thought, and try and be aware of feeling. That I just said so. I recommend it. Try and be aware of feeling. Not how you feel, because you already know how you feel. I don't feel so hot. Be aware of feeling, not how you feel. And it's a trick, because it'll make you aware in a new way of thinking. Not a new way of thinking, but it'll make you aware of thinking in a new way. Well, as easily as people get confused. What do you mean as easily? All you have to do is wake up in the morning. <laughs> you go, wait a minute, am I actually awake? I could be confused. I have pictured, if it helps, my final comment, that literally that I'm standing out on an open plain. Of course, this is in my head, because I'm picturing this being like the plane being perhaps the base of the cortex. It's where feeling is right below the surface, and then there is thought, and that's the plane upon which I'm standing in my mind. But right below this, and as far as I can see, there's nothing. Not a cloud in the sky, it's just a horizon as far as you can see, and there's no one there but me and the voices from the sewer, or if you prefer, the figures of thought, and they... Keep popping up around me. But if you don't make eye contact, they're not really there. They're like vapors. Or they're like pre-ghosts. Like they do in special effects. Or they, you know, in movies, like a ghost is about to appear. And however they do it electronically. And you just see kind of little sprinkles going around. And then the figure becomes more and more solidified until it's there. Kind of like the pre-echo, but now visually instead of auditorially. I don't think there is such a word as auditorially. Well, I find that important on this basis. Who is going to take instructions on how to achieve the great awakening from a man who does not even know, uses words that do not exist? Thank God we're nearly over. Through. In case I said almost over, I was afraid some of you would 
raise up in your chair and go, finished. And it's like I'm staying there alone, which I've found this to be a good picture of all sorts of things I've ever gone to you people. But I'm staying there just absolutely just buck naked, nothing, it's just a plane as far as you can see, nothing. And yet, there are these pre-images, these pre-sounds all around me. And all it is is my thoughts, the thoughts that are in me. And I have wrestled them. I have done, I have conjoled them. I've played cards with them. I have done everything. And I've told you almost everything I've ever done with them. Almost everything. Things that seem profitable, things that... There's another way. And that's just to look up and away. Look over their heads. Do not make eye contact. And you can't think anything about them. Or you're not being aware of feeling. You just have to look above their head. You just have to ignore them. I hate to be that crude. In fact, I withdraw the word ignore. Scratch that. I could have tried to told you that years ago. Forget that. Don't try to ignore them. Look over their head. Look away. Cut your eyes up and look away. And remember, you're trying to be aware of feeling. Your aim is, I'll be aware of feeling. I'll be aware of feeling. And then just look away. Look above their head. Don't make eye contact. And I'll be put in a bucket and kicked around, astounded, if you don't get something out of it, if you'll just try it. It'll empty you. And it's more than momentary. I find it to be the most agreeable and the most prolonged and beneficial, describable thing that I've ever done. Is that the truth? Yes. Are you sure? It's hard to tell. But you think that's true. That that is the most beneficial. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until you kept asking me about it, and now I'm, <laughs> now I'm back in the sewer with them. To stink or not to stink? That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.